Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyerup904.com. November 10th, 2013. Yeah. And guess what? We're going to run this division now. Trevor Lawrence taking us to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl. And we're going to win this. Let's go, baby. Super Bowl. <laughs> to be able to put ourselves in a position to play meaningful games in December and January. Trevor keeps it on his own read. Tries to get to the corner. Dies for the end zone. Touchdown. Shotgun for Trevor Lawrence. It's a blitz. I mean, it is an all-out blitz. Trevor fires left side. That ball is going to be caught for the touchdown by Evan Ingram. Uh, heads up to Dewey again. Dropping out of a shotgun. They throw it quickly. Picked off by Dewey. Intercepted by Andrew Winger. Dewey again, man. Stepping up and making some big plays. My offensive player of the game, every time he plays that way, is Frank Dropping Gore. the throw is Trevor. Scrambling to his right, fires. That ball's caught by Evan Ingram to the five. Into the end zone, touchdown. I don't care if he's on our team or not. If that man, if he ran for mayor, sorry, Lenny. I'm spoke for the hurricane. And Trevor, you got to admit, at the last play of the game, when that linebacker came and hit him, he caught right in his face. That's, that's my quarterback. He got up there, and he and they had to pull him away. Man, y'all get off of T-Low. He wasn't taking any crap from nobody. Bro, let me tell you something about them Jaguars today, son. We have now but one. But two, three, four, two, and That boy Trev was eating like he was Thanksgiving, dog. We got a good piece, man. We just need to keep winning, man. We're going to the Super Bowl, and we're going to win that. This boy got a hit. Ten Ten XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and E to the T. All right, good morning, everybody. The open so nice, we used it twice uh, from ET. You got to use it while it's fresh, ET. We'll probably go back to that one at some point, right? And, I would imagine. And notice I didn't specify a date. We're going to the Super Bowl. Oh, right. <laughs> and we're going to win. Right. Same when? Same <laughs> right. And unless they cancel all future Super Bowls before we get one, you are probably going to be correct at some point every time i feel like you know all right step back let's start moving forward get ready for dallas relax a little bit i always think about that first call like in that whole reel there like that guy is somewhere in jacksonville still losing his voice screaming duval till i die yes you know and good it's, for him it's hard to chill coming off that kind of energy from no doubt man right now. Yeah. uh logs good morning how are you morning was it fun to check the tape this week yeah it was good uh um Offensively, it's like next level. Uh, defensively, some good and then some not so good. Yeah. You know? And early on, there was some bad stuff with, with the run game stuff. But, I mean, overall, the, the takeaways were big and, and kind of bailed the defense out a little bit. And, and man, uh, I felt good about the game. I, you know, I felt good about it going in just because I felt like it was a really good matchup. And I thought that some of the personnel – issues that Tennessee was having the Jaguars would be able to take advantage of and it took a little while for my what I envisioned happening but it was uh, it was awesome to see so uh, a long time yeah no no doubt why uh so prolific for Evan Ingram this week uh, what what did you see 
on film, what were they doing or not doing to counter Evan Ingram this week? I, I think that they just wanted to change it up a little bit, and I think they could have accomplished some similar things with Christian Kirk or Zay Jones, but to catch the Titans a little bit off guard. You know, the Jaguars really haven't gone into a game plan with a lot of attention to be put on the tight end. And I think they had a little bit of that intention against Kansas City, but because of the way that the game kind of rolled out, it wasn't able to come to fruition. But, you know, they like Evan Ingram, and uh, sometimes he has a tendency to drop the football, but, man, did he ever deliver on Sunday. It was an impressive performance by him. And he was facing a good football player, you know, because Kevin Byard was matched up against him a lot in man coverage. But I give the coaching staff credit because they came up with creative ways to make sure that Byard wasn't a factor in the coverage. Well, they uh, that first touchdown, they threw like a triple pick at him, like a picket fence of guys running to the left, and Ingram just runs to the right. And it's like, we've been screaming for years, Tony. Why can't they scheme a guy open? I mean, sure. that that clear. I, watching that when you're like, oh, yeah, Mike, that. that's the one we'll be doing in the film room. Yeah, this I mean, week. that's that's <laughs> clearly it was the, a coaching staff touchdown, right? And totally. I mean, Evan Ingram and Trevor Lawrence execute the play and all that, but I mean, you could see it. You're like, oh, okay. I mean, it was evident that this is exactly what they had designed when they drew it up. Yeah, they had all three wide receivers to the right side. Evan Ingram was the sole receiver to the left side. And it's man coverage, and Kevin Byard, Pro Bowl safety, has got the coverage on Evan Ingram. And it, and you're right; it's essentially you're trying to create a picket fence type of look to make it damn near impossible for Byard to be able to navigate his way through that traffic to get to the other side for the coverage. And and Evan Ingram just walks into the end zone, mm-hmm. and it was a great play design. There was another one. I don't know if you guys remember when Trevor was kind of under a little bit of duress, and real quickly he kind of throws it sidearm to Evan Ingram, who was literally almost right in front of him, mm-hmm. about six or seven feet. Yeah. Well, Jamal, uh, Juwan Taylor actually is designed to pick off the guy that's in coverage, which, once again, it was Kevin Byard, the uh, the safety for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, it was just great play design on a lot of different plays. And, you know, the, the, the crazy thing is, is that, you know, look, I, I do this film room stuff every week. You know, some of it I do for social media. Some of it we do for Jaguars television shows and for the website, and, of course, being a defensive guy, I have a tendency to kind of stay on that side of the ball a little bit sometimes or want to stay on the ball, that side of the ball, more often. Mm-hmm. This, this year, it's like every week, it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, on, on offense, you're seeing stuff that, you know, I, I haven't seen happen in Jacksonville on, on a regular basis to where me as a football guy that's been around for a long time, you sit there and you see how they scheme people open. Uh, you go back to the, the two-minute drill for the half. Remember Christian Kirk? It was a big chunk play early yep. on in that drive. They, they had Christian and, and Zay Jones lined up on the left side. Well, Zay runs this vertical route, and they're pretty close together with Christian just a little bit on the inside of Zay, and Zay runs a go route to pull the deep third corner away and up the field. Christian – turns to the inside, turns his head fully looking back towards Trevor. Now the safety is thinking he's going into the middle. I'm going to come up. Well, Christian turns that head, pulls the safety up, immediately plants his foot, breaks back to the outside underneath of where Zay just cleared out. So now somebody has to help replace that other zone because they created almost a fourth zone on that left side because of the route design. I mean, it was beautiful. 
And Trevor just sits back in the pocket. This is not like a very long developing play, but he's got time in the pocket, and it's an easy throw for him. I mean, it was just beautiful. I mean, you see plays like that happen all the time, and it's just fun to watch, you know. And and you got uh, so many different offensive minds. I'm sure that it's a brainstorm of sorts. And I remember, and you guys probably remember me saying this early in the season, I asked Doug Peterson about this offensive staff, and he said it's the best I've ever been around. And I'm sitting there watching it week in and week out. And, look, I know that it's not always great. Like, you know, Detroit wasn't great. Kansas City wasn't great. Some of that due to the defense. But, I mean, every week you're watching them scheme guys open, and it's it's fun to watch. We talked briefly yesterday with David Garrard about Evan Ingram. He's going to be a free agent in this offseason. How much of a priority would you make it to bring him back? He's coming off. Look, let's let's be real about it. He'll probably never have a game like that again in his career. He can be an effective player, obviously, going forward, but the odds of 11 for 120 and two touchdowns, you're not going to do that very often um, as any player in the National Football League. But if you had to prioritize it right now going into the offseason for the Jags between Jawan Taylor and Evan Ingram, kind of the two big free agents on that side of the ball for him going into the offseason. How do you think they would prioritize it at this point? I think the reality is is that you're not going to be able to keep either one of them okay. just, just because with your cap situation, um, unless you have some type of long-term deal in place that's going to allow to, you know, to kind of spread that money out. And uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, for, for me, uh, that's a great question, Tony. You know, you you got Walker Little. You know, can he be the starter to supplant Jawan Taylor? I mean, that's why you drafted him. Mm-hmm. Could he be that guy? Disappointed kind of in how the battle went earlier in the year. You know, I really like Dan Arnold. I think Dan Arnold can do a lot of the same things that Evan Ingram does. Uh, he's got a little bit more size to him, too, but I think he's got uh, similar speed and similar desire to willingness to block. But that's a great question, and uh, I think a lot of that depends on – where the player is at as far as willing to do a deal that is long-term because it's going to have to be a little bit team-friendly either way. Yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, those hard decisions I think they're going to have to make going into the offseason, but we're not there yet. There's still meaningful football to be played here in Jacksonville, Florida. So, speaking of questions, if you've got them for Jeff Logman, that's the Chad and Sandy Real Estate Question of the Day every Tuesday. What are your questions for Jeff Logman, send them in on Twitter at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at Logs56, and at IME2, the T. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Uh, and also 641-1010 on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. And let's have a good day checking the victorious tape as the Jaguars take down the Titans on the road for the first time since 2013. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Scrambling to his right, fired. That ball's caught by Evan Ingram to the five. Into the end zone, touchdown. That's a touchdown for Jacksonville. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube. Servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, uh, quick recap because we want to get into uh, the film for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but... Breakfast Bowl could have gotten interesting last night. Oh, my gosh, early on. Right, me and E.T., I mean, it was foregone conclusion I was not going to win when E.T. had both Kyler Murray and James Conner, and I only had one player left, Mm -hmm. and we're about tied, so there's no way. And then Kyler Murray gets hurt on the third play of the game. Yeah, I said, it's just my luck. So then it's James Conner versus Ramondre Stevenson. 
Oh, wait. <laughs> there goes Ramondre. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, James Conner went out, but he came back in. But at that point, it wouldn't have mattered. But uh, congrats to all of you bums. We'll be uh, requiring a food taster on Thursday. <laughs> hunger strike begins. A hunger strike should begin. It, it's a, It's been a long time coming. It's been a couple months since I've had to dip into the wallet. So happy to do it. By the way, um, Jaguars today, Fantasy League playoff brackets. I updated them this morning. Last wild card spot goes to the team with the most points who's not already in. So if you're wondering, hey, wait a minute, I thought I was the sixth best team in this league. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you get that spot. So in two of the three leagues, that last spot changed hands. Uh, Tony, E.T., and I each made the playoffs in two out of three. Yeah, missed it by a game in the third. Got a bye in the other one. So, um, yeah, or in one of the two. Anyway, so we each have a bye in a different league, and we each made the playoffs in another one, and we're out in a third. So that's the way it goes. Uh, so thanks for playing if you did this year. And uh, don't forget to continue to set your lineups through the next three weeks. All right, uh, so that's out of the way. Um, logs in terms of ball placement, as good as you've seen Trevor Lawrence? By far. Yeah? Yeah, by far. In fact, um, uh, the bootleg, Trevor's on the run. He, uh, and I wrote some, some, some plays down here and just wanted to kind of go over a couple of them. You guys m may remember early in the ball game, uh, Trevor was accurate on like a third and six to Zay that was tremendous. Uh, another one to Zay on third and three that he dropped that was there on the money. He had uh, location on a uh, another throw that allowed for a run after the catch, a bootleg on the run, hits Marvin perfectly in stride, turns into like a 21-yard gain. The drop in the end zone by Zay that was a little bit of a pass defense. That's a that's a rough drop, man. A guy's holding his right arm down. He throws his <laughs> hey, left hand up there. I don't know if that's I, a drop. You know, I mean, you know, find a way to get your hand free and, you know, play big. And I mean, you know, sometimes a guy grabs your arm and you can't do that. When you, you, know, when you pause that one, Trevor was, was moving – in the pocket to his left. So he's shuffling, and he throws it 50 yards. And when you pause it, and I, I just did it and showed it to Tony, I mean, it, it was perfect. perfect. I mean, perfect. I mean, this, some of the throws that he had were just like, holy cow. I mean, he was like, a, I mean, literally just a surgeon in that game. And I just, by far the best game he's ever played. He owned the offense, total control, the checks that he was making in the line of scrimmage, getting – Getting guys lined up, the command, the confidence, everything that he showed was tremendous, and and it helped that Tennessee's defense was having some issues in the back end. I mean, let's be real. I mean, Tennessee has some problems in the back end. They're missing two of their uh, best edge rushers. One of them's on injured reserve. Another one was scratched for the ball game, and they had a whole slew of roster moves to try to take care of that back end prior to the game. And one of those, Christian Fulton was out. One of the starting corners. Uh, their best cover linebacker had a couple linebackers out, and they took that's advantage right. of that with Evan Ingram. So, you know, so you know, that's mean, what you do. That's part of it. But but then also, the accuracy by Trevor was just fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, absolutely he's been on point. There's Crazy no question thing, about it. That's his first win in the division against somebody else besides the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. You know, and that's pretty cool. I mean, he, uh, there was also a streak going on that the Jaguars had – 14 consecutive division road losses, and that streak was broken. You know, so uh, and we're going to have a lot of streaks broken. I eight think eight consecutive uh, games in Nashville that were lost. The last time they won was Gus Bradley's first year, which was his first win in Nashville, and I think they won 29-27, and that was the quad play. Yeah, 
uh, that, that Will weird Blackman second had. half of the season. They were as bad as maybe I've ever seen an NFL that team. That was like the first no, half November of that year. something. Yeah, and then the second half they found a way to win three, four games. Whatever it was like. I how? think they won four. Yeah. yeah, it's like how? How did they win those games? And uh, Demetrius Harvey tweeting out this morning: Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence is the second highest graded quarterback in the league since Week Nine, according to Pro Football Focus. Oh, yeah. He has yeah, the best tremendous. completion percentage among quarterbacks with at least 60 dropbacks during that span at 71.8. Has the second highest quarterback rating during that time, too, behind only Jalen Hurts, basically in the second half of this season to this point. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is not some kind of a, and you know, you go back to that interception in London and kind of talked about it at that point that, you know, this is a critical point. You know, can he bounce back? Will he bounce back? Because that was kind of a, a play that you just don't want to see that same mistake happen again, and it did. And then so you're concerned. Where Where is it going to go? And Doug said that that play may have been a defining moment for him. And uh, he's been incredible ever since then. I mean, yep. I, you know, he'd been, you know, he'd been good, as good as this past game every week, but, I mean, he's been outstanding. Yeah, I think he's had two great games, two really good games. And then just an okay game in there, but uh, two, the two overall really strong games, the the Baltimore game, yeah, and then this past game, and both of those games, he's been outstanding without really a running game to speak of. That's what makes those two performances to me really stand out, is because the running game wasn't there to kind of take the pressure off. The pressure was all on him, and he delivered. All right, let's go to the lines for the first time today. If you want to get in on a Check the Tape Tuesday, that's uh, one of the quickest ways you can do it at 641-1010. So, uh, Steve going to lead us off this morning. Good morning, Steve. You're on Jaguars today. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, my question for Logs is uh, how can you see Jaguars offense taking some advantages uh, against the Cowboys defense? I mean, when you look at their D, the biggest concern is Micah Parsons. Some might say Trevon Diggs last year had 11 interceptions, but he also gave up the most big plays in the NFL because he would try and jump routes. And, like, you played the game. You're not always going to time those right. I mean, just in your eyes, how could you see us taking advantage of some of the deficiencies, if there is any, with the Cowboys D? Well, I don't think they have a lot of deficiencies. I mean, this is, uh, this is a pretty good defense that's got – I think really good players at all three levels, and they have some waves. When I say waves, they have guys that can come in and play up front and uh, keep them well-rested. So this is going to be a challenging game. You know, the reality is that Dallas Cowboys are one of the best teams in football, and they've got uh, a defense that's been outstanding taking the ball away, and you better make sure that you protect the football because that's one of the big reasons why the Dallas Cowboys are – or where they're at is their turnover differential. Uh, they've got a really well-balanced offense, outstanding quarterback, got a big-time uh, receiver, uh, two really good backs that uh, can do the one-two punch thing. So this is going to be a challenging game. You know, If you're going to expect to beat this Dallas Cowboys football team, pack your lunch and uh, get to work. Yeah, no question. And uh, as you said, they could force turnovers, something the Jags did this week with four of them which may have masked a little bit. I mean, once again, you know, you look at the numbers, the raw numbers, what Tennessee did offensively, and then you factor in the fact that four of their drives got ended prematurely. What did you see from the defense outside of the turnovers themselves, which were excellent, we'll take them every week, but what did you see from how the defense played? Some good and some not great, and I think 
one of the things that really helps is that when you can get a, some points on the board, then you kind of take Tennessee out of their groove. And I, I, I didn't think that the scoreboard was so far away for Tennessee for them to completely kind of abandon Derrick Henry, but they did in some respects. And so that was nice that they, that they did that. I mean, how many carries did he get, I think, in the third quarter when the game was still pretty tight? Uh, they kind of went away from it. And I don't know why Todd Downing did that. He's the offensive coordinator of, of Tennessee. Uh, but nonetheless, they did. And when they did, though, the tackles for Tennessee are the two worst tackles in the National Football League as far as pass protection goes, and that didn't bode well for them. But, you know, overall, some good, some bad. I thought at times the guys up front were pretty stout. Roy Robertson Harris played better than he had been playing. I thought that was nice. I think Fadakasi still's got to raise the level of his play up. I thought Devon Hamilton had some good, some that he can be better at. Uh, I think Alukan did a pretty good job. And Devin Lloyd was better than he was in, in previous starts. Uh, still got to get some things cleaned up on in the back end. Uh, Andrew Wingard is playing very well. And I think he's a guy that uh, you're going to sit there and look at and go, we need to find a way to get him on the field even when we get Andre Sisco back. Corners are still an issue. But they had a the, the big change the, for the defense was really in what they were playing. They went back – or not they went back. They started to play a lot more zone. So you, you've had Trey Herndon inactive in the previous couple games. You activate him. Trey Herndon's a zone guy. So when I saw that, I was like, all right, something to keep an eye on. And uh, knew that he was going to end up getting the start at the nickel position. They were going to leave uh, Darius Williams on the outside at corner. And I said, well, if you're going to do that, you're going to play zone. And sure enough, they played a lot of zone. And I think that helped two people specifically. One, it helped them from a personnel standpoint at the nickel spot because that's what Trey Herndon does better. And I think it helped also with Devin Lloyd a little bit in that uh, he's had some eye violations and man coverage in his previous opportunities. And so this eliminated the opportunity for some of that happening. But, uh, but overall, I mean, it, it was better by the defense because they had been regressing. So at least it was a step in the right direction. I think the answer to the Derrick Henry thing is just – you know, happenstance, the Jags get the opening kickoff, run it back, get a call back. Then they take seven minutes off the clock, right? So I'm looking at the the game script because I'm thinking the same thing as you. Like, why did they go away from Derrick Henry? Well, first play of the second half, they give it to Derrick Henry. They get a penalty, 12-yard illegal crackback penalty. So now they're first and 22. They give it to Henry again. He gets stuffed for a yard. So now you're second and 21. And Tannehill gets sacked, right? So now, you know, so that there goes that drive. Mm -hmm. Next drive, Tannehill sacked on first down. So you're second and 14. You're behind the sticks again. Sure. So they don't go to Henry, and they go three and out. And by that time, they're down 33 to 14. So they were kind of game scripted out a little bit at that point with bit, the score. A little bit. I think that one, one drive you're referring to, I mean, shouldn't have been passing on first down when you got tackles like that. And then even when you get down 33-14, the reality is, is that if Tennessee thinks that they can throw themselves back into the game, uh, they're mistaken. Right, but the next – and the it. next drive, first play, Derrick Henry, uh, they try the trick play, and they fumble it. Right. So, you know, they were going to Henry again to yeah, lead why off the – would you do that? I mean, it's like it's one of those when, – when you have a trick play, look, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of change of pace every now and again, but why are you going to do Derrick Henry in the Wildcat? I mean, come on. Yeah, I don't know. It was kind of weird because I don't think he was going to run the – I mean, throw the ball. I think he was going to – just come up and, and take that snap as he was headed towards the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and there's and, nothing dynamic about it. I mean, yeah, just keep the quarterback yeah. under center and, and 
You know, the one thing I, I think when you keep the quarterback under center with Derrick Henry, at least, at least it gives you a, the threat of something different. I mean, when Derrick Henry's back there in a wildcat, it's like, okay, it's Derrick Henry in a wildcat. Plenty enough threats standing five yards behind the quarterback yeah. on every snap. You know, you don't need to trick it up. Obviously, Trayvon Walker's best game, it appears, as a pro. You mentioned they're playing against a couple of weak tackles this week, so he took advantage of that kind of thing. But did you see anything different just with – what he was doing as far as different moves or hand in the ground, that well, kind of they, stuff. With yeah, Walker. they definitely changed things up and that they put the hands in the ground more in this game. And, you know, I've, I've been hearing that they were going to do that for the last couple of weeks, but they really didn't, which was kind of surprising. I was like, all right, well, keep saying they're going to put the hand in the ground and where are they going to do that? And, and so they did this game. And uh, with Trayvon, they took him and they played him as a defensive tackle when they went to sub at times. And uh, when I say sub, that's nickel, mm -hmm. okay? And so he was the, the three technique. And then they had a big guy in there like a Devon Hamilton or a Fadakasi as the, the nose tackle. And then they had the typical ends out there uh, with Josh. And then it was either Smoot or it was Arden Key to replace mm -hmm. Trayvon on the outside. So that was different, okay? They're kicking him down to play a three technique in, in a nickel situation. And then when they went to four down as, as rushers at times, he was on the outside with his hand out. Everybody had their hands down. Even Josh is like, okay. You know, and, and the crazy thing is, is that like Josh's percentage of successful rushes is much higher when he has his hand in the ground compared to when he was in a two-point stance. And Trayvon, just uh, the one thing that he always has been doing is that he gets a little bit – indecisive because he's he's seeing so many different things when he, he's up in a two-point stance sometimes when you put your hand down on the ground and you just tell the guy to go okay now we're gonna, we're gonna stop thinking a little bit now we're just gonna be singular in purpose and go and I think that helped him and uh, again as you guys talked about having two inferior tackles helps to allow Josh and Trayvon to get sacks I think Josh I think his last one was uh London, like early October, no, it was early October, and then Trayvon's last sack, I think, was in London at the end of October. I think so it's been a while. Was against the Chargers. Yeah, maybe. it's been a while. Hey, you know what, though? They've had that situation several times this year and haven't taken advantage of it. No, right? With backups. no. Denver so, had backups. Right. So at least they took advantage of it. Yeah, and there, there's only one backup with Tennessee it's the left tackle. You know, the right tackle is a rookie that, uh, that they have been starting all along. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, when you got a weakness, you got to take advantage of it, and, and they were able to do it, not just. Josh and Trayvon, but Arden Key and Smoot as well did a good job. All right, we'll come back uh, with more with Jeff Logman on a Check the Tape Tuesday. If you're on the line, stay right there at 641-1010. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Busted. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is serviced by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, this is a Check the Tape Tuesday, the first of its name after a Jaguars trip to Nashville. Haven't had a Check the Tape Tuesday, uh, a Victory Tuesday. Nope. Uh, let's put it uh, that way, uh, since we've been doing this program on a Jaguar road trip against Tennessee, and uh, let's make this a habit. Please, going forward. All right, uh, if you want to get in with Jeff Logman, 641-1010 on the phone lines, the text line. Hit us up on our Twitter accounts, however you want to do it. Uh, let's go to Sam and Nocatee. He wants to talk about special teams this morning on Jaguars Today. Good morning, Sam. Hey, guys. Um, let me just say, I'm, great victory. I'm not trying to poo-poo on the victory, but 
man, our special teams look rough between the kickoffs, uh, the penalties on the returns, the punts and stuff. And I just, you know, Jeff, just your thoughts on that. And I'll take it off the air. Thank well, you. Logan didn't have a great day, uh, and usually he's really good. Uh, special teams, the the two penalties on the kick return for a touchdown that was called back, uh, the one play or the call on Caleb Johnson, I thought it was terrible. The uh, taunting penalty on uh, uh, Caleb on Chazon, yeah. what are you doing? He taunts the kicker. I mean, seriously? I mean, the kicker's on the ground because he missed the tackle, and he goes up to him and starts – Taunting him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> why? Well, he hasn't had any game action in a while. Wanted to get right back into the swing of things, Jeff. Yeah, not, not so good there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, uh, the special teams has been pretty solid, you know, most of the year. The two kickoff out of bounds were disappointing. Logan had one. He's trying to do what we call like a mortar kick where he's trying to drop it in and they don't have anybody around to field the ball and you try to kind of a sprint to the ball. The regular kickoff that was deep, that was kicked out of bounds, uh, wasn't great, um, uh, but I mean, look, uh, special teams. I don't think it killed you, but it wasn't their best. No, it wasn't. But you know, it's okay. You're not going to be your best every single week. If you can find a way to win the game, and you look at that unit, like I'm not worried about the special teams units of you know. They, Patterson like you said, did a Patterson did a good job on the field goals. You know, he had, like I said, he had one bad kickoff, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, if if it was a tight game. Then those mistakes would sure obviously get magnified a little bit, but you know offensively you were able to. You know, sometimes you got to have one unit kind of make up for other units, and the defense takeaways took took a lot of stress off of that game, and the offense's success took a lot of stress off as well. Like we said yesterday, Tony. I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw three picks this week. Does anybody care? No, no. they won the football. Well, game. and if it's something we had seen at any other point this season, right? Like when it's in one game, you do it on back-to-back kicks. It's like that's weird. Right, and right. you you win the game anyway. Then you come out and you go, "That was weird," right? Like I don't expect that. Kind no, of you don't think that that's going to happen again. And you know, the one thing I think about them as a whole unit, you know, Farwell, uh, Coach Farwell, their special teams coordinator, does a good job. They're uh, they play hard, and I I like the direction that they have on special teams. I think it's pretty solid, and just keep building on that. You know, and the the, the better roster you get the better your special teams get as well um well somebody asking on uh twitter here leland uh i know you mentioned him earlier but specifically how did devin lloyd play what did you see kind of similar to what doug was just saying there a minute ago in his press conference i thought it was okay uh, i don't think it was anything that you just go wow that was great i can tell you it was better than what we saw the last time you start you know so that's positive positive. and again i think the zone coverages helped him a little bit you can still see at times you know, when two linebackers break the huddle and you start to get lined up, you never want to see one of the linebackers looking at the other one, <laughs> waiting. And mm-hmm. then once he does, you know, because, you know, one guy makes the call. You know, when, when I say the call, the strength call. Yeah. You, know, you always have to have that. When you break the huddle as a defense, you get the strength call, and then everybody lines up based on that strength call. Most linebackers, okay, when they break the huddle, when I say linebackers, I'm talking every one of them that's on the field knows the strength call, you know. So, Foyer should not have to tell Devin where the strength call is at to get lined up. But you can see that Devin is still unsure, and Mm -hmm. he's waiting for that call from Foyer to happen before he gets lined up. And then when he does, it's like a delay, like like he's not quite sure, you know. And 
that part has got to leave his game. I mean, he should be breaking the huddle and making the call with Foyer and then getting lined up at the same time without having to look at Foyer. And that's you know, part of the process with a young player. And, and uh, you'd like but is to it, By this think, point, is that usually under control? Usually it is. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why he didn't start for a couple games. Sure. Mm-hmm. And when Chad comes back, I think Chad goes back into the starting lineup. I yeah, but thought, it's good to have both of those guys. Yeah, I thought on the Aconquo touchdown, right, that was kind of that little shallow cross right into the middle of the field there, and I thought Devin Lloyd reacted to it maybe a half step slow and created the space. Now, Aconquo is a really good athlete, so who knows, even if you break right away yeah. on that in front of you, whether or not you're going to make the play. And it was a zone, and, and yeah. you know, Finn Foyer also I think could have been a little bit better. But, but we've talked before, you know, about teams have been able to effectively – stop the feet of Jaguars defenders, whether it be Trayvon Walker on the stuff where the quarterback runs stuff where you can just make him shuffle and then you create that kind of space. And it felt like there may have been a few of those moments for Devin Lloyd just jumping back into it where he did hesitate for that just a moment, but that's enough. Yeah, and and sometimes that's the difference between being a good player and a below average player is those that that split second reaction of I need to be here versus I'm not sure where I need to be. Yeah. You know, that moment. And so, and that, you know, it's part of the growth process. And, you know, some guys that hit some fast and they get it. And some of the other guys have a tendency to where it takes more time. And, you know, you hope that you hit a moment, kind of like with Trevor, that the light comes on for Devin Lloyd in that similar fashion that it yeah. seemed to have come on for Trevor post uh, London. Back to the lines we go at 641-1010. Matt in Atlantic Beach is up next. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, boys. Um, my question was, with all of the outstanding play Dewey has had over the last few weeks, do you guys think he's going to be warranted a contract at the end of his rookie deal? Well, I mean, if, if it's me, absolutely. I would like to keep Wingard all day long. And if I'm Wingard, I'm going to free agency. <laughs> because you always make more money when you get to free agency. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you'd like to keep him. I mean, his productivity has always been pretty high. I think in the first couple of years of his career, he uh, he did some things that I didn't like. But over the last two years, the production that he has had, is you can't argue the production that he's had. Uh, this past game, seven tackles, a tackle for a loss, an interception, a quarterback hit, got dinged up a little bit, had to come out for a short period of time, goes right back in. I mean, those are the kind of players that you want. And a really nice read with with him on the interception because Tannehill thought he was going to have like a hot route out of Robert Woods. And he doesn't. He keeps continuing up the field. And because the Jaguars were playing zone, Winger's eyes are forward looking at the quarterback in the field. And he's actually reacting up, not knowing that Woods is not doing what he's supposed to. He's reacting up, expecting to make a, a hit on Woods. But a great job of adjusting on the fly, realizing that Woods is not stopping. Now he gets his eyes back to the quarterback and then sees the ball and makes an interception kind of without seeing it the entire way. It's a good play, really good play by Wingard. I feel like Wingard is the type of player that you keep around on that one of those kind of middle guys on the roster, and he's an important piece in that because he does play all the special teams and gives you all the effort you could ask for doing that. And if you need him to step in and play one of three positions, basically on your defense, he can do all of them competently. Like, I think he's one of those 
glue-type guys that he may not be necessarily a priority for the fan base, certainly, to bring back a guy like Winger. But I think for a ascending football team, which I think they still are, that he's a potentially important guy to try to get back in the fold, just as a I, role guy. I'm with you. I think he's a guy that you want to find a way to keep. And the question is, is can you? Yeah, I mean, they're going to need a lot of um, economically priced, from their point of view, players on this roster that can contribute because while you can easily get back under the salary cap, every move you make to do that opens up another starting position yeah, another that hole. you need to fill. So yeah, he's, you know, Winger's a, a, what I call a core four guy. You could make the case that he has been productive enough to be a legitimate starter. But if not, he's a high-end backup and a, and a core four guy that you can find ways to get him on the field with certain packages with three safeties I think you you absolutely and you know and the reality is, is if you're going to sign him you better try to do it now. Yeah, and for people that you're talking about core four on special teams, right? The coverage and returns on both punt and kickoff. Correct. Yeah, so for not everyone going to know. Yeah, sorry about that. That's all right. Just Could explain you know, myself a little better. No, I, I think a lot of people do, but not everybody's going to automatically know what core four is. Just for those who don't, um, he plays on every primary yeah. special teams. Yeah, the only thing have. he's not on is is field goal protection. Mm-hmm. He's out there on field goal block at times. Gotcha. Because your starting defense is typically out there for that. Right. All right. Uh, halfway home with Jeff Logman checking the tape. Most of it good, but not all of it, uh, as you would expect when you play a, an NFL game, but happy to get the W. So uh, we'll continue along with Jeff at hour number two. And your calls welcome at 641-1010. We got a bunch coming in on social media that will pose to Jeff as well. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is kept tuned up by famous automotive tire and quick lube servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. Wait for it. Wait for it. There you go. There you go, E. People forget. Some people do forget, Tony. Yeah. They were so good last time we saw them. Oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, moving into hour two of a Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Lagerman. 641-1010 will get you on board. If you've got a question or comment Jaguar-related, Logs got this one from Big Will on Twitter this morning. Uh, how's the offensive line Coming along overall, what have you seen? Not not just this week, but uh, your thoughts, I guess, season to date. Well, I think pass protection, they're doing a way better job than what they've done in the past. And I I thought that in the last couple of years, the tackles were a liability when we got behind. I don't want to say it to the point like they were the Tennessee Titans tackles were, but you guys have seen many times Jaguars needing to score into the ball game that the tackles just couldn't hold up. And that's changed. Juwan Taylor and Cam Robinson, I think, are doing a much better job in pass protection. The mechanics and the fundamentals are just so much better with the tackles. That's impressive. And I think that that has a lot to do with coaching. I think the new coach, the offensive line coach, has done a tremendous job. And the run blocking needs a little bit to to be desired. And I want to see them finish better. I think that they can take a tremendous step forward in their run blocking if they would just finish more because at times they have a tendency to turn and look and watch the guy get tackled. And if you just finish and not worry about where you're at, at mm-hmm. what stage of the block, 
then you don't have to worry. It's almost like sometimes they take a peek to see, should I keep blocking or, you know, is the play still going? Just or, keep blocking. Just keep <laughs> You'll blocking. see it in the film yeah. room, right? Yeah, let the whistle let you know that, okay, it's time to stop blocking. So, Travis Etienne carried it 17 times, only at 32 yards. From watching the film, was the O-line not getting him any holes? Was he making the wrong reads? Was Tennessee just doing a good job playing run defense? What do you attribute it to mostly? I think it was a little bit of both. I think the offensive line could have done a better job. And then there was one play that I distinctly remember that, that he missed a cut that could have been left where he had a tight end coming across the formation to kind of seal the outside guy, and he would have had a downhill cut going to his left, and he missed it. But uh, but it's always a shared responsibility. And you know the one thing I do like about ETN is that he hits the hole so fast, but sometimes that's to his detriment to where he kind of gets a little bit out of control when he's hitting it with such speed and doesn't have – sometimes you want to see maybe a little bit more patience, a little bit more movement. And you can't move if you're going 100 miles an hour in a straight line. Instead of going 100, back it off to 90, then you can make, make some movement within the run itself. Is that how you would explain – he had the back-to-back-to-back 100-yard games there in the middle part of the season, and – here in the last four weeks, 45-3, his rushing totals in each of the four games in the last four weeks. Is that the biggest culprit, you think, that he's everything's too fast for Travis Etienne right now, or is there just, something else to it? I think it? it's just part of it. I think the offensive line has got to get better at it, and, and I also think that Trevor's performance over the last couple of weeks, I think you're going to see a little bit of an adjustment by coordinators and that they're going to go, you know what, we, we might want to stop Trevor a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think up until a couple of weeks ago, you saw the coordinators have a kind of a, a little bit of a challenge on Trevor and that they were saying, okay, look, we're, we're going to stop the running game and then we're going to make the quarterback try to beat us. And I think that's, that approach is going to change a little bit now. I mean, don't be surprised if Dan Quinn's whole purpose this week is playing – Seven in the box or six in the box, depending on whether you're whether you're in base or whether you're in a nickel situation, and then say, "Hey, look, we're we're not, we're not going to let Trevor Lawrence beat us. Let's see if ETN can do anything." It would seem like you would want to attack Dallas that way anyway, right? At least initially to to make them respect it. Because yeah, you got to have balance you know, against them because they're Marcus Lawrence, Michael Parsons, Dorrance Armstrong's uh, like not a household name, but he's having a really nice year. So they can bring the pass rush um, in droves. Once again, though, ETN, a little bit mystified. I mean, James, uh, Jermichael Hasty, excuse me, gets like one game. He has five passes thrown to him. Nothing for ETN. I mean, I, hard to fault the offensive game plan this week when Trevor threw for 368 and they put up 36 points, right? But I, I just, I'm a little mystified why they haven't prioritized getting him two or three looks a game I, in the passing I, game. I think it's just almost like, you know, that they're, they're – Approach is that, look, we got one ball. You know, we sometimes can't have all these targets for certain people. And it's, you know, because I think when Jermichael Hasty had that game that you're referring to, Mike, mm-hmm. that was the game that ETN ended up getting hurt. Yeah. And then it might, you know, so a lot of those opportunities were going to be for ETN. Uh, this past week, a lot of targets go to Evan Ingram. The previous week, a lot of them went to Christian Kirk. The week before that, a lot of them went to Zay Jones. So I think it's almost the coaching staff feels good about certain opportunities and certain guys and certain situations based on coverage and, and matchup opportunities. And I think that's where the, the offensive staff does such a good job. You know, when you look at some of the numbers of the offensive weapons 
for example, like Jamichael Hasty, who we just talked about there, you know, if he gets three more yards, he's going to set a personal best season high. And Zay Jones last week had 77 yards receiving, and that just gave him a personal best season high in yards, and he already had a personal best in catches. Uh, looking at Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk is going to end up having a season best. Uh, he's already got a career high, season high, seven touchdowns on the year. And if he ends up getting 11 catches, that's going to be a career season high for him. 109 yards receiving is going to be a career high. So all these guys are getting career high numbers with this offense, with Trevor Lawrence and with this offensive staff that's doing a great job of scheming it up. And, you know, there's only one ball every week. And sometimes certain guys are going to get more targets than others. And don't be surprised if, if one week all of a sudden you see a multiple tight end grouping and instead of Evan Ingram being a guy, that maybe Dan Arnold is a guy that's highly targeted just because I think they feel good about their weapons and that it's also an offense that doesn't have, you know, like a, a number one and a, a one B that are the primary guys. They mm-hmm. like spreading the ball around. We we were talking during one of the breaks early on this morning, Jeff, about ba- essentially the command that Trevor Lawrence has in the offense. I was asking you – how much of them getting to the line of scrimmage and getting in the right play has become more and more Trevor Lawrence getting them in the right play, given the options that they have? And you talked about, you know, they do give them options when they get to the line. You see this kind of defense. We want to run this kind of play. How much better have you seen him apparently get at that as we've gone through the year? Oh, to- total command. Total command. And that's fun to watch. You know, for example, some of these plays that we're talking about scheming up, you know, we talked earlier about the touchdown to Evan Ingram where you've got that picket fence coming from the right side and he's coming from the left crossing that picket fence underneath. And so as an offensive staff, when you call that play, you're expecting man. Well, what happens if you come to the line of scrimmage and you see him play in zone? Well, Trevor's got options sometimes. Sometimes he can change the play. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you have a, a couple guys that may adjust based on the coverage and do different things, and and that's the part I think that Trevor has really advanced the completion percentage, and has been way more efficient because as a quarterback, when and we've talked about this before, when when you know where you need to go with the ball, your your feet are kind of working in advance of of your arm, mm-hmm. so now you're anticipating things and you're able to be more accurate because look, we're we all if all three of us we had a tennis ball. And let's say we had different targets on the wall, and everybody just said, okay, uh, when I say one, a number one, two, or three, because we got three targets on the wall, okay, and we say, okay, it's one, throw it, you know? And if while you're throwing in motion, now all of a sudden we're going to give you the two or the three or something different, we're all, all more accurate when you know where you need to go with mm-hmm. the ball. And I think that's part of, of Trevor. He's owning the offense. He's in command of the offense. That's why we're seeing the completion percentage jumped to a significantly higher level than what it was last year, and it's jumped to a significantly higher level this year during the season. Yeah, it's still kind of funny. He's got those six games below 60%, but when he is on, I mean, he is on at a level, if you take his best games, now maybe you could do this with every quarterback, but you know, Trevor's probably completing 75% of his passes in his seven best outings this year, which I think is pretty ridiculously good. And logs, uh, there were people telling, trying to tell me, almost like they're making an excuse for him early in the year when the completion percentage wasn't great. That oh, he's never going to be that type of quarterback. I, 
I don't understand why why would that possibly be? Like they're like, oh, he's gonna be the guy that he's gonna you know, he may be low sixties. I, I felt like it was just like people setting was, up a, a trapdoor excuse for him. There was a lot of people that were talking about early on that, oh, you know, it looks like we gotta start scouting the quarterback prospects oh, just in absurd. the future because Trevor's not gonna be the guy. And look, you know, I mean, you know, and here's the reality. You never know until you know. But, I mean, what you saw, and, and there was glimpses of it, you knew that there was some, some hope. And I thought the, the, the Denver game, you know, I've never been down on Trevor, but I can tell you after that Denver game, I was, it made me question. Sure. Because of that throw and that game and that moment, and you're sitting there going, look, if you can't learn from something that just happened a couple weeks ago, can you ever learn? And so I thought the game after that was going to be a really telling game on him, and he bounced back and bounced back in a big fashion. What was your reaction to Coach Peterson at his press conference yesterday when asked about the the, the, keeper? the keeper for Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> and he was like, no, that was a handoff. It was a handoff all the way, and he kept it, and we're on the sideline watching going, what's he doing? And then he makes the play to get into the end zone. What was your reaction to the whole sequence there from the play and making the play to Coach Peterson discussing it yesterday? When, when I was watching the film, I couldn't figure out why Trevor didn't ride it into the stomach mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of the back for very long. And the reason why is that if he, the back's thinking the ball's coming to me. So Trevor just real quick doesn't, you know, doesn't really stick it in there because if he sticks it in there, the back's grabbing it. Right, so I was like, "What? That's not a very good fake." And then he kept it, and then he kind of left a little early. He should have rode it a little bit longer. Well, after the, I was listening to Doug, I'm like, "That's why he didn't yeah. ride it a little bit longer because it wasn't part of the play design." Yeah. Trevor even said he basically in the post game that he got away with it. He's like, "I should have handed it off." And great you stiff know, arm. Guy had him right, well, and that's the thing. He stiff armed him, but if that guy tackles him, he had him pretty much dead to rights. A great play by Trevor made the guy cry. In the uh, post game, yeah. Dylan Cole, and ETN's trying to find the ball. Like you can totally. see him on the field looking around, like what happened? Yeah, touchdown, like, Travis. <laughs> but I, but I will say this is that when when the quarterback does something like that, that just tells me he's in complete control. Right. If he feels like he can do it, and he's like, hey man, I'm playing at a different level right and now. And as as a coaching staff, you know, there's there's this thing called uh, bad bad good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when a player does something that may be not on the script, you just come become the sideline. You go, dude, you can't do that. But man, that's a great job, <laughs> you know. And and if with a quarterback, you have to be able to trust sometimes the instincts of the player that's on the field. And look, it typically takes four or five years sometimes to get to the level that you trust your quarterback to do something like that. And to see that moment with Trevor. After, you know, in the midst, midst of uh, season two has been impressive. Two things that I love. That, number one, and then the very last play of the game on the kneel down uh, when Trevor Lawrence got up into the face of the defensive tackle, and it was number 97, Kevin Strong, who came off the ball and, and essentially hit Luke Fortner under the chin, which was totally uncalled for, and Trevor immediately crossed the line of scrimmage to get into his face. I was sitting there going, that right there? I love. And his teammates will, too. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, that's that's beauty and important to the scoreboard. I mean, that's the ultimate that's the ultimate thing right there. When somebody does a Bush League move like that is to, one, let them know that that's not okay, and especially when it's a quarterback doing that. 
and then your guys are immediately right there on each side of Trevor Lawrence, your offensive lineman, flanking him to let everybody know that if you touch him, you're going to die. That's exactly what you want to see. All right, we got to take a break here. Uh, more with Jeff Lagerman on a Check the Tape Tuesday straight ahead. Your calls included if you'd like to get on board. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is kept running better than ever by famous automotive tire and quick loop servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, a mostly happy check the tape Tuesday. That's what happens when you smack down the Titans by two touchdowns on the road or heck at home or neutral site or anywhere else. Anywhere, yeah. Take a, or, you know, we would have been pretty happy with a one-point win as well. Uh, this one a little bit more definitive, however, this time around. Uh, Jeff, uh, uh, our defensive play of the game in the post game was Trayvon Walker's uh, sack fumble because, you know, it came with the Titans up 7 to nothing. Jags had gone three and out, I believe, at that point. And so Tennessee's got a chance to build a two-score lead right off the bat. Trayvon Walker turned it around. Jags capitalized and ultimately scored 20 points off the turnovers. But we, you mentioned a little bit in the first hour about how they used him with his hand uh, on the ground a little bit more. Mm-hmm. One question coming in uh, from Baxter on Twitter. Why did it take so long? You know, we've been a lot of talk about that. And I guess to piggyback on that, how do you see him, provided he's healthy, uh, coming out of the game a little banged up, but um, how do you see him being utilized the rest of the year? Well, I hope with his hand in the ground more. I think that's natural for him, more so than two-point. You know, when they drafted him and said immediately that he was going to be in a two-point stance, I was like, that's eh, kind of curious because he didn't do a lot of that at Georgia. And and then watching him through the year, you can see a little bit of that indecisiveness. And so, for me, I would have liked to have seen his hand on the ground more. I hope that they do that. The reality is, is that he needs to continue to improve in all facets, hand in the ground, two-point stance, because I think that there's going to be moments that you want to use him in a two-point stance, and you need to use him in a two-point stance, and there's also times that he needs to have his hand in the ground, and I want to see his hand in the ground at a higher percentage. But the pass rush, he still needs to continue to get better, to watch other guys, to see what works, to find what works for him, because if you look at the most successful pass rushers on this Jaguars football team, he falls to about fourth or fifth in line. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's the pass rush success rate. PFF has a ranking. They quantify all of those numbers. Josh is at the top. You know, this is going in the last week now. Josh was at the top. Smoot was second. Arden Key was third. And then you had Devon Hamilton and Gotsis at fourth and fifth. Trayvon was there at six. Mm-hmm. You know, so he needs to get better. You mentioned he got to play some three technique at times in this game. Did he give them some juice as a pass rusher playing from that spot? Didn't have a lot of pass rush opportunities there. Um, But when he did, he was matched up against that smaller offensive guard, Aaron Brewer, who uh, during the broadcast I was talking about how small he is. He's like six foot one, 274 pounds. He's probably more suited to playing center, but he plays left guard for them. And Trayvon, I thought, had a couple rushes against him that he got some good push. But, uh, you know, I think Trayvon is more of a natural outside guy. And he's got such power. You guys remember the tackle early in the game where he tackles Oconquo, the tight end, and yeah. flat. And he just ragdolls him. I mean, it's like a man among boys at times. That's the strength level that he has. But 
to be able to really be a man among boys against the offensive line, you've got to learn that you need to be on the edges and get them off balance to really allow that power and strength to show. So they wanted to play him at one spot this year, not overload him, right? Did they pick the wrong spot then? And do you, what, what do you think next year holds? Is it a position switch or is he allowed to do more versatile things now that he's acclimated to the league? Well, hopefully he's allowed to do more versatile things. And look, the reality for defense is that it's a sub, it's a sub package league now. So you're playing nickel packet. So, where are you going to play Trayvon? Are you going to play him inside in the sub? Are you going to play him outside? I, I think, uh, for me, I want to see him have his hand on the ground and sub package uh, with four down, a four-down look. And uh, the stand-up stuff, okay, that's fine. But I also think that going forward, now that he's you know going to get comfortable and, and get more kind of under his belt and more experience, I want to see him do more things. I think his best position is playing – playing with that hand down and whether that's a, a wide six or you know a, a five technique and just let people know what that is a wide six means you're outside the tackle you know hand down on the ground and you're a pass rusher and then a, a, a five is like an outside shade on the tackle and every now and again if he kicks down to where he's an outside shade on the guard as a three technique that's fine I think he's strong enough that he can do that but uh, for me I like the hand in the ground stuff with him. Yeah, you think the uh, coaching staff is, you know, realizing that as the season? Obviously, they're probably. Using, you know. I mean, that's you know, I mean, when you when you saw the game Sunday, then I think they're starting to maybe right. get it and, and understand it. You know, part of when you have a new player and a young player like that, like Devin Lloyd and and Trayvon, you're trying to figure out what they do best. Even though that you watch their college tape and you're like, okay, we got an idea of what they do best, but the reality is, until you get them in your environment and your system, sometimes you don't. And that's part of the growth process. And I think that's also part of the growth process of a young defensive coordinator in Mike Caldwell. And that, you know, he's a young coordinator and he wants to be able to kind of implement his scheme. And sometimes your scheme may not be the best fit for where your team is playing and how they're playing and what happens with them from a personnel standpoint. You know, like, for example, like right now, you know, they're probably best suited to playing more zone just because Shaq Griffin is on IR. Darius Williams is not playing at a high level enough to warrant some of the man coverage. Uh, Tyson Campbell, I think, is, is more than adequate to do any of that that you want to do. But Tyson Campbell sometimes plays his best football when he's got his eyes back to the quarterback. And by the way, the couple plays that he made down the field where he had pass defense were really nice plays. And I thought was – uh, a step up for him because he's kind of struggled sometimes at the point when the ball's arriving. And this past game, I thought he was outstanding doing that. Hold those thoughts as uh, Tony Smith will take you around the National Football League. Now, Gems Around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Arizona quarterback Kyler Murray was carted off after the third play of the game last night with what is feared to be an ACL injury. Murray is undergoing further testing to determine the extent of that injury. Wide receiver Cole Beasley is coming out of retirement and signing with the Buffalo Bills practice squad. The expectation is that he will be on the active roster sooner rather than later. San Francisco wide receiver Debo Samuel has an MCL sprain and an ankle sprain. He is expected to return before the end of the regular season. Dallas Cowboys offensive tackle Tyron Smith, who is working back from an avulsion fracture in August, could play his first game of the 2022 season this week. Here in Jacksonville, according to a report from Ian Rappaport, Dallas offensive tackle Terrence Steele 
suffered a torn ACL on Sunday, will miss the remainder of the year. And the Cowboys have signed wide receiver T.Y. Hilton to a deal for the remainder of the season. Hilton, who has not played yet in the 2022 season, caught 23 passes in 10 games for 331 yards and three touchdowns last year in Indianapolis. The Atlanta Falcons, who at 5-8 are just one game behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC South, are making a change at quarterback coming out of the bye this week with rookie Desmond Ritter being named the starter in place of Marcus Mariota. Falcons head coach Arthur Smith, when asked about the decision yesterday, said, quote, it's a performance-based decision. Andy Dalton get the start for one more week in New Orleans. Carolina wide receiver DJ Moore scheduled to undergo an MRI to determine the extent of an ankle injury he suffered on Sunday. Cincinnati wide receiver Tyler Boyd expected to miss a week or two with a dislocated finger. T. Higgins is day-to-day with a hamstring injury. And pass rusher Trey Hendrickson, who has not been ruled out for their game this week against Tampa Bay despite a wrist injury that was reportedly possibly going to keep him out for the remainder of the regular season. And finally, Washington has activated quarterback Carson Wentz from their injured reserve list. All right, thank you. Tony uh, logs this one on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Do you think Shaq Quarterman can earn I would say more play is the way I'll put it. Uh, and that uh, texter said, I watched that hit against Derrick Henry at least 100 times. It was great. Uh, what a great hit. And uh, Derrick Henry rarely gets hit like that. But Derrick Henry was kind of caught at the boundary and trying to cut inside to keep the play alive. And part of that was a spin. So he has no vision on what is coming from inside out. And Shaq took advantage of a great opportunity and plastered him. Ball pops right in the hands of Josh Allen. A great play. Does that warrant having more reps? Um, I, I actually kind of went in the game in Tennessee going, okay, well, Tennessee wanting to run the ball so much. If Devin Lloyd starts to struggle a little bit, Shaq Quarterman would be your next option. Mm-hmm. But it never really got to that point. Devin played pretty good. Um, I don't want to say great, played solid. And so the opportunity wasn't really there for Shaq. And then Shaq, when he did play, a lot of people thought that he was playing in place of Devin Lloyd. That's not the case. They had a three-linebacker package just like they had the week before when it was Muma, Oluokun, and Devin Lloyd on the field at the same time. And so Shaq became that third linebacker with that package. And uh, so could he warrant some more reps? I think, you know, we'll see. See how Devin Lloyd plays. Yeah, it's more uh, dependent on Devin see, Lloyd and, than and anything. And Chad Muma. You know, yeah. How healthy is Chad Muma going to be this week or next week? Obviously. All right. Uh, thank you for that question. And still time to get a few more in with Jeff Lagerman on a very happy Check the Tape Victory Tuesday. One segment to go. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Check that tape Tuesday with Jeff Lagerman. Brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube. Servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. Mm, I just saw Dak Prescott trending on Twitter. I thought, really? Maybe? Nah, no such luck. All right, uh, just other. What's he trending for? Uh, well, one, he was giving condolences to Mike Leach. There were a couple of other things, but had nothing to do with uh, any... His availability Potential missing the upcoming <laughs> matchup uh, this week. Although, uh, Terrence Steele, their right tackle, done for the season. So, you know. Yeah, that's big news. When's uh, Tyron Smith supposed to be back? They're, he's going to try this week, it sounds like. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, I think they're talking about uh, the, the rookie left tackle not playing right tackle, which is uh, they're talking about him going back to left guard. Yeah. If Tyron Smith is available. So, that's kind of. 
surprising there. Yeah, Tyler Smith has been uh, holding that spot down for most of the season there. So, hey, look, it, it is what it is. Um, they still got tons of big-time playmakers on both sides of the football. Yeah, they're a good football team. That they're bringing here. Dangerous one. Anyway, but as the Texans showed you, I mean, Jeff Driscoll is two yards away from basically winning that game, right? I mean, they're up three, a few minutes left, a couple minutes left. They punched that one in, up 10. At that point, I don't know if the Cowboys are able to come back. Now, I know they drove it all the way down, got the touchdown to, to win the game rather than uh, send it into overtime, but they would have needed more than yeah. that. Don't know if they would have been able to pull that off. So, they're definitely beatable, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's uh, if their defense comes to play, it might be a tough day. All right, uh, let's go ahead. I got a, a angle for logs here we haven't talked about today, so let's do it through a 10-10 take. 10-10-10. take. Now, the 10-10 take with Mike Dempsey, brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. All right, Logs, uh, tell us, because we haven't talked about this at all, what, what do the Jags do to protect Trevor Lawrence's toe this week? Well, first of all, you got to give Trevor credit and then also the athletic training staff with Jeff Ferguson kind of heads that up and Robbie and all the guys across the board there to work in the training room because they did a great job of treating Trevor after injuring that toe in Detroit and keeping him out of practice. They had the uh, the portable electric kind of stem unit on his toe for, for days at a time. And then when you do play and you do practice, you have to be able to protect that toe to give it a little bit of support and my guess is, and it's a pretty good guess, I think, here, that you, you tape the toe to protect it, but then you also, inside the shoe, you use what is called an insert underneath it, and it sits between the bottom of the shoe and the insole, and it contains, and I have one here that uh, we got in studio, and it has a metal plate on the front of the foot. And what that does, essentially, is that when Trevor gets up on his toes, instead of all of that pressure and strength having to come from the toe the metal plate on the insert itself helps take a lot of that pressure off of the toe and so with a half and that's a half a plate they actually make ones that are full plates as well but for Trevor my guess is that the half plate with a tape job on the toe would have sufficed to help protect that toe and uh, so a great job by the Jaguars train staff because when you guys saw Trevor Lawrence run, did it look like he had any ill effects from the previous week's injury? No. No, uh, none. Also looked like he had a nice, well-rested arm from not practicing yeah. all week. So um, I think Doug Peterson took that kind of seriously, like J.P. Shatterick asked him in the postgame. So you're going to consider giving Trevor uh, practice off from now on? And uh, Doug's like, no, we're not – like, like – we're kidding, Doug. Mostly, we're kidding. We don't go hard enough on Wednesday and Thursday in season anymore. No. For- well, they really don't. But, I mean, look, I mean, the reality is, is that sometimes a, a, a rest for the shoulder arm is good. I mean, sure. you, you can't deny that. And and I'm not I'm of the belief that DK Trevor needs to have every Wednesday off or every Wednesday, Thursday off every five weeks or something. No, but, look, every yet. now and again, no. a break can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from the standpoint of to allow your shoulder, arm, et cetera, to be rejuvenated from a short little rest because, look, it's a grind, man. He's been throwing the football a ton since going probably all the way back to July. Mm-hmm. You know, we mentioned during the last segment him getting in the face of the Titans defenders there on that last play, the waving to the fans, like that kind of stuff happening in this game, the, the moxie to call his own number on the run that he scored on, We've talked for weeks, months now about the who is the vocal leader 
for the football team in the locker room. Like, if they do have that moment like they had in Detroit, who can be the guy that stands up and gets everybody around him and says, guys, we got to get back on this, right? And it felt like they didn't quite have that worked out yet in that locker room. Are games and moments like Trevor had on Sunday enough as a teammate to possibly elevate him more into that kind of role? I think so because to be a leader, you got to have performance first. And Trevor, until he establishes himself as the franchise quarterback, it's hard to pound the table and demand things out of other guys around you because you have to take care of your, your house. you got to live in a glass house, and your house needs to be tidy. No doubt. In order to be able to start calling other guys out or demanding more or you know, opening your mouth a whole lot. And so he's at the point now where, where the production is there, the performance is there. So I think he's going to feel more comfortable doing some of that. And it's the same way across the board, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. You know, if you're a Josh Allen and, you know, you haven't had a sack in a while, sometimes if you try to speak up, sometimes it can fall on deaf ears. If you're playing well – then that message is received a little bit better. And so uh, those are the things that you like to see with the young players is that they, they grow, but part of that growth process of being more than just a performer is performance is there. Okay, now I start to lead other guys and, and bring them along. But, again, again, the performance has to be there first. Uh, somebody asked, and I haven't seen this uh, video. Was there, uh, there was a video of Doug Peterson, I guess, maybe hyping up the – Jacksonville side of this rivalry, something like that. I haven't seen it, but uh, it said that it seems that Doug has really bought into the city and the identity of what this Jaguar organization is. Do you see that, and do you think the players get a little bit more buy-in when the head coach is doing that? Oh, yeah. I mean, as the coach, you've got to understand the history. You've got to understand what's important to the fan base, and this rivalry is incredibly important to the fan base. By the way, shout out to the Bold City Brigade. They had a hell of a party on mm-hmm. Saturday night mm-hmm. that uh, me and, and uh, Baselli and a few other Jaguars broadcast uh, folks went to, and they did an tr- amazing job. It was cool hanging out with them. Man, they were strong at the stadium. At the end of the game when the Jaguars won, Trevor's doing a victory lap, mm-hmm. high five in all the teal jerseys along the edges of the stadium that there was a ton of Jaguar fans that were had worked their way down towards the field level in the seating area and that was at the end of the game that was cool man the interaction of the players and the fans I mean it's you know when the coach understands the history that kind of passes that on because if you listen to Josh Allen even after the game he talks about how long it had been since the Jaguars won in Tennessee, and he wasn't even a part of the team the last mm-hmm. time they won. So, I mean, but he understood the history, and mm-hmm. that's that's part of it. You it takes so little it. to do that, and it means so much to the fans. Absolutely. That if you can show that it means something to you like it means to them, because, you know, these players, they come and go, and chances are Josh Allen won't play his entire career here in Jacksonville, but these fans They're here. will be here, and they'll be rooting for this team probably for the entirety of their natural lives. Uh, so, you know, it, a little bit goes a long way, I think, in that regard. Um, Logs, just uh, give me a quick talk. We only have a couple minutes here, and we want to detail where folks can catch you. But how do you feel about the Jags? Puncher's chance this week, decent chance, um, tough matchup. What I think you- it's a tough matchup. and and But, but I mean, it's possible, but they've got to be really good. They've got to take some steps more, uh, when I say steps, you got to get better as a defense consistently because if you take the takeaways out, where would they have been 
in that game no in Tennessee. Okay, so you've got to get better as a defense. You've got to get better up front. You've got to have your three guys play better than they did in Tennessee. When I say the big guys, you know, Roy Robertson, Harris, Devon Hamilton, Fadakasi, because that's how this defense was playing well early in the year. Those guys were physically dominating. This offensive line in, in Dallas has historically been good. They are still good. They've got two good backs. It takes a lot of pressure off of Dak Prescott that doesn't force him to throw a lot of balls. And so if you play well and put more on him, it creates a situation that Dallas is a little bit out of their comfort zone, and offensively you got to protect the ball and have balance. One thing he'll do, though, he'll throw you a couple. He will. Every week he gives you a couple of chances. He's played but, five fewer games than Trevor has, and he's thrown nine interceptions to Trevor's six. So there will be one or two, maybe three opportunities in the game for the defense to get their hands on that football. you got to take advantage of yeah, those and opportunities. Yeah, if Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard are, are running wild, then – Chances of Dak Prescott throwing picks is is decreased less than dramatically, no doubt. You know, so you want to make sure that you stop those two backs, and then make Dak Prescott make some of those bad decisions. All right, so where will we catch you the rest of the week? Uh, we've got uh, Jaguars All Access Thursday night. We have Happy Hour and the Doug Peterson Show Thursday afternoon. We have uh, Jags Wired. We'll be breaking down that touchdown to Evan Ingram early in the ball game with the picket fence thing with uh, passing game coordinator Jim Bob Cooter, who just happens to be a Fayetteville, Tennessee native, so I'm sure that game meant a lot to him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, game day on Sunday at home. I think our coverage will start at 9, 9 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, and then you know, I know you guys at 1010XL have some stuff that starts – much earlier than that, and then uh, outdoor show Saturday morning. Yep, 8 a.m. for our coverage here on 1010XL and uh, the Publix Tailgate Show at 10. All right, Logs, uh, we'll see you then. Okay, guys. It's going to be a great atmosphere this weekend at TIAA Bank Field. Check the tape Tuesday in the books. Let's say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL talking with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Mia O'Brien with the XL Primetime crew at the Four Score Golf Tavern. Uh, Mia, I'm not familiar. Do tell. Give us some details. Yeah, I was going to ask Mike Dempsey if you or Logs or Tony or ET or anybody had made their way down here yet. I was here their first opening week back in July. Excited to be back now that they have a full service, not only bar, but they have food, they do lunch, they do dinner, and of course, they have these awesome golf simulators, which we are literally broadcasting from inside one of the bays. They have multiple bays. You can sign up online to reserve your bay. You can walk in and reserve your bay. We've got plenty of them open right now, and of course, they've got a whole dining room area to check out, and today is actually their membership drive coming up at 5 p.m., and they're also going to be giving away a Scotty Cameron putter valued at $400. So be sure to check it out. And, of course, they're going to be doing leagues. Yes, you heard that right. Golf Simulator League starting January 9th. They do live music on Fridays. So much fun, so much to do. Uh, You guys are going to want to come check this out next time you're downtown. All right. uh, So uh, what will you guys be getting into today? Yeah, well, obviously, unfortunately, you know, we do have to start on the somber note on the passing of Mike Leach. Uh, Matt Hayes penned an awesome, awesome obituary at Saturday Down South, which I was just reading. Uh, and you want to read it. I was giggling with our guy Tom Champion as we were reading some of the quotes. I mean, obviously, it's it's a tragedy that we lost him way too soon at the age of 61, but truly one of one. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll relive some of the good Leach memories. And, of course, we'll also dive into the bowl season, which, if you can believe it, uh, the Florida Gators play in a bowl game uh, five days from now. So we'll dive 
dive into that and a whole lot more. Well, good for them. All right, uh, Mia, have a great show today. Thanks. Thank you. All right, there you go, Mia O'Brien with the XL Primetime crew. Uh, we have 50 seconds, Tony. Any final amazing thought in that time? Uh, nothing amazing. I can say when you go and take a look at the stats overall for this Cowboys team, I know mm-hmm. you think they're good. They're real good. Oh, they look. They are. I mean, fifth in total defense, second in passing defense, third in points allowed, 23rd against the run. That's the one weakness. Second in sacks in the league, tied sixth with only 15 pass touchdowns allowed, tied third with only seven rush touchdowns allowed, despite being 23rd against the run and third in the league in point differential. The Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender, legit Super Bowl contender, and it's Going to take it, everything you've got to get a win on Sunday. This is correct, yet there's something in the DNA of that team in recent years no that doubt. lets them come up short and not fulfill their potential. And we almost saw it on full display, uh, but they pulled it out against the Houston Texans. Maybe it'll catch up with them this week as the Jaguars impose their will, but that's to come five days from now. Still basking in the glow of Victory Week here on 1010XL. All right, that'll do it for us, for Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, of course, my man E.T., and all of you out there. Thanks for your many questions and comments on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures on social media and the phone lines as well. Tomorrow, Double D and Johnny O swing by as we continue Victory Week. This has been Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Joe Jacksonville. Who want to eat a W? Joe!